Moral Revolution community, welcome back to our podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today. Let's talk about it. Hey, let's talk about it, listeners. Cole and Kate here. We are very excited for our special guest today. This has been a long-awaited conversation that we've been excited to have and to bring to you. So welcome Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes. I am so excited. Hey, it's so, I mean, I'm just ecstatic to be with you from the other side of the country here. It's awesome. It's funny because we we were just talking before we started recording how close we lived growing up. I know. And we had to move across the country to connect with each other. But... I know. We're, we're going to have to solve that, Cole. We will yeah. we will connect here in Michigan sooner or later. That's right. And as soon as he said Cole, anybody that knows could hear the Michigan in yes. his voice. Yes. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a Michigan. That's right. Cole. I love it. It makes me feel at home. It's almost Christmas time when we're recording this. Maybe not when you're listening to it, but we're recording it. It's almost it's the holidays, and I just got to hear some Michigan accent. This was This is great. I feel full already, Chris, just so you know. I love it. Awesome. So if you're tuning in today, this episode, this conversation is going to be amazing for parents. So if you're not a parent, doesn't mean stop listening. You should probably still listen. It's going to be some really, really good content around how do we protect this next generation, protect young eyes is his organization. So even now, while you're beginning to listen, think about a parent, you know, that you should share this with, because it's going to be really good tips that none of us have parented in a generation like this before. We didn't have internet in our pockets. We were just taught some high schoolers this week and we were laughing at how they didn't even couldn't comprehend what it would mean to not have the internet like at hand. We were like, no, we were around when it was the the World Wide Web on the big personal computer (laughs) in your house with the dial up. They were like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's crazy. And so, you know, we're parents, obviously we also lead moral revolution, but I think what's, what prompts a lot of our personal passion for this topic is the fact that we have a 12, a 10, an eight, and a six-year-old uh, who the stuff that they have accidentally seen, that that friends at school have tried to show them, and the, the efforts that we've had to go to to guard and to protect, uh, the reality is, is you can't do it on accident. And so love for you just, Chris, before we even get into some of the deep questions, just share with us what started, prompted, what birthed Protect Young Eyes, powerful nonprofit that you create and that you've led. Would love for you just to share with our audience a bit about what that is and where that came from. Yeah, thanks to both of you. So I am a dad too, and a husband, Andrea and I have been married for 23 years now. We have four children, ages 11, 12, 12, and 18. I have to think about that because my daughter, we have my daughter and then the three boys, she just turned 18. So we're in this funny conversation every once in a while where she reminds me she's an adult. I'm like, yeah, but you're still in the house. Nothing's really changed. Right. So, but I'm in that mode too, where it's practicing the things that we talk about, as I know the two of you do through moral revolution, I'm sure in your, in your home. And I've seen that in your own posts. So I've been on a really interesting professional path, the jobs that I've had. I graduated with a degree in accounting. So for 12 years, I was a business consultant and I loved that. I had a great job with Ernst and Young, but the Lord called me into the local church. And so in 2009, I left the world of consulting to become a middle school youth pastor because those are so similar, right? Yeah, <laughs> so from middle school of all places, right? Seriously. So going from CPA to the craziness of that, but it was on my heart for years. And from 2009 to 2016, that's what I did. And that was the rise of portable internet. Yeah, This is when my amazing 11 through 14 year olds are starting to carry that worldwide web in their pocket. And 
you have to remember the 12 years before that job, my role was to mitigate business risk. I would go into companies and I would look at a business process and we would identify all the ways in which it could go wrong. There could be fraud, there could be theft, whatever it was. And we'd put controls in place to mitigate that business risk. So I often see my job or my parenting, both you know, professional and parenting through the lens of risk mitigation. Mm. How can I remove the problems, the what could go wrongs in any given situation. Now, we don't want to totally do that for our children because otherwise we raise a bunch of humans who don't have any resilience for the problems of this world, right? You will have trouble in this world. We know this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was seeing a disproportionate high risk in the decisions that parents were making related to something they didn't understand. And that created all kinds of alarm in me. And so at the same time, there's this personal wrestling that I was going through of coming clean with my own issues with pornography that from an early childhood exposure led to adult compulsive use and just all kinds of problems in my marriage and other things. And these two things are now colliding where I'm going, wait, if me with all of these tools still couldn't find a way how to use this thing in my pocket in a good God honoring way, what chance do my middle schoolers have? Yeah, totally. So I started having conversations wow. back in 2014, 2015 with parents at our church. There was an open Wednesday night, a parent teaching night where the my boss was like, Hey, you have anything you want to teach on? We don't have anything tonight. I'm like, Yeah, I've got something. And so I did a talk on internet pornography, which <laughs> Wasn't something that a lot of people were talking about from probably not what know, he was expecting for the topic. You know, back in yeah, when you got anything in your pocket, yeah, let's talk about porn at church, right? It it seems no, more normal now, but I'm telling you, six or seven years ago, nobody yep. was having this conversation. Yeah. yeah. And that led to a closed Facebook group of parents going, "Hey, tell us about this new Snapchat wow. thing." Tell you know, and that led to a new story here, and that led to launching the website in 2015, and then school started coming to us saying, "Hey." come talk to our parents, come talk to our kiddos. And that's the organic, you know, sort of God part of this. I never intended to be doing any of this. (laughs) I'm a CPA who's now in the technology world, but that's our approach. I believe that all of us, whatever role you have, be it a parent, you're an aunt, you're a grandparent, whoever you are listening to this, we all have young people who we can influence. Whether you understand technology or not, you are uniquely ordained to help them. And I want to help each of those roles find practical, non-techie ways to do that. And I believe that it's possible. Man, I do too. Yeah. Because we've seen it. Like we're seeing it with our kids. You know, it's and with parents too. It's almost like you have to remind yourself, like you're going to get a couple wins and they're going to be peppered with a couple losses and don't define it by the losses, you know, and I think we have to remind ourselves of that, but I feel like it is winnable. Yeah, I think that what you're saying is right on. I think a lot of parents so need to hear that. Even if we pause for a second, like mom, dad, this is winnable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a lost cause. There, the, it, You need to keep your hope up because we can absolutely win this and do this well. Um, so yeah. let's just jump into that. How do we do this well? What would you say, Chris, from your experience, um, you know, I, my personal belief is that it's my job as the parent to protect and to guard my my children. Now, that might mean my job right now is to find tools 
to educate myself. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to the media apps and things like that, you know, what would you say is the hardest thing? Like what's making it hardest on parents right now uh, to engage in this, to know what to do, that type of stuff. Like what's the biggest challenge facing parents as it pertains to, to what's on these phones? I think it has to do with how we started off this conversation. When you think about the way in which the three of us think about the internet, we think about our life and then we think about the internet as something like we go do and get online, like it's a separate activity. Our young people today don't see it that way. You've heard that from the young people that you've talked to. They don't even know what that means to them. It's I'm on life. Like I'm I'm on. I when I wake up to when I go to bed, it's like the internet is just a part of breathing. They don't see it as two separate things. And I think that's the the challenge for parents is wow. just as soon as we have a digital doorway control that's the Wi-Fi in our house or it's parental controls like coveted eyes or bark or whatever it is, like we've identified this door, this door, and this door. I guarantee there's five you never even imagined. And the prevalence of ways in which young people have access to all of the digital spaces, it, it's, it is uncontrollable in that way. I don't say that in a spirit of hopelessness. I say that in a spirit of reality. Let us oftentimes as Christian parents who believe that our kids can do no wrong, let us embrace the reality that there are digital doorways that we don't know about. And even if we did, we couldn't control them. Yeah. Therefore, there are, are there isn't a technical solution on earth that can solve all of those things. Now, I think some of the root cause of that has to do with a complete inability of our legislature to rein in certain digital yeah. risks that have gone way out of control. We could have a whole separate conversation sometime about the balance between yep. us making choices and laws that adequately protect vulnerable children. That's a whole nother side of me that I know you guys yeah. see. So that's a root cause of some of this. But because of that, we have to lead with relationship because there isn't a list of technical solutions big enough that can close all of those digital doorways. Mm, wow. Those are some of the things that I think, you know, that we just need to embrace as realities. And those things should shape the way in which we parent our young people today. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I have so much I want to say, so I'll let you say something first. <laughs> well, I love what you're saying of digital doorways and conversations. I feel like People want the Band-Aid, right, of the Covenant Eyes, the Bark, something that feels like I just want this part of the overwhelming feeling I have of parenting at all avenues. This is like a Band-Aid for that part of it. What are some of the questions? Because like you said, we have to lead, we have to parent them relationally in order to protect because there's not a list long enough to protect them. What are those conversational starters? Like I think a lot of times we were youth pastors before leading Moral Revolution as well. And as parents we're just so naive sometimes because we weren't raised with all these digital doorways. There's new ones continually created that even, you know, I remember parents thinking I'm going to get on the Facebook and know what my kids are posting or, you know, like they're already done with Facebook. Yeah. Um, and sorry. Then, and then Instagram, <laughs> then you find out there's this whole thing where it's like, they have the fake Instagram account for their parents and people to see, then they have the real one, you know, Snapchat, all the things. What are just, what are some of those leading questions or conversation starters? Or maybe you can even say, come to our website and look at this blog. Um, maybe we'll add it to our website too. What What are those conversational starters that parents can say, okay, these are the questions I should be asking my children? Sure. 
Yeah, so there's two ways in which I'll I'll answer that, um, Caitlin. The first is, and I'll unpack this a little bit more if you'd like me to. You've maybe seen me and others, you know, who want to follow us on social media. I know that we're gonna probably bang on social media a little bit here, but I do use it for as much glory as I can to God. You know, <laughs> we are very active on social media, so do follow us there. Um, we have the digital trust framework, which lays out five attributes of families that we've studied over 1500 presentations over the past seven years. There are certain things that certain families do that produce a certain positive result. Mm. And those are the five components of the digital trust framework. Copy me, co-play, curiosity, conversation, and coaching. And we can talk about okay, each of those. Okay, hold on. You got to say those again. <laughs> right? Slower. For the I know. Well, we'll come. So copy me, okay. co-play, curiosity, conversation, and coaching. I love it. And we have found that those five things working together, and there are activities in each of those five things often have the outcome. I'm all about outcomes. How do we measure it? They often have the outcome of young people who learn how to use technology in a good, positive, God-honoring way. That's the one thing that I would you know, say that we have a whole 90-minute presentation that we've done hundreds of times all over the world. I even did it for the German school that's in the embassy in Tehran, Iran this past summer wow. to, to parents over there, right? We had to do it via VPN because the internet's so blocked over there. But anyway, that's one part of it. But you said some things that I think are the nuggets that parents sometimes miss that are so golden in these conversations. You said things, Caitlin, like, well, it's, well, we were looking at Facebook and then it's this Instagram thing and then it's Snapchat and then they have Finstas and these fake accounts. One of the things that we say is tell your kids all of the things that you are afraid of. In other words, say to your kids, you know what, hon, I love you. What kind of parent would I be if I wasn't involved in some of the stuff that you're doing online? And I know that I can do this and this and this to try to control and monitor you. And through TikTok, you're going to find a video that shows you this and this and this, how to get around everything that I do. And you know what? In the world, after you're launched, because Lord willing, you launch out of this place, even though I love you, you're going to have a job. You're going to go to college. You're going to find ways in which you can do this and this and this to do things dishonestly in anything that you do. You will find ways to get to any of the things that maybe you know you shouldn't. Yeah. All I can say to you as a parent who loves you deeply, is that I don't want you to. And yet, if you stumble into those places, know that I will always receive you back. I will always love you. There's nothing you could stumble into that would change my treatment of you. Yeah. But I just want you to know up front what my expectations are and just be real about those things. Just to call out those realities, I think are real powerful ways to build what we call bridges of digital trust between parents and children. If you can't control it, then call out the fact that you can't control it. And I yeah. think by simply putting it in the light where it can be dealt with, not only does it build a bridge between your, you and your kid, but I think it removes some of the fear from us. It actually helps us maybe just as much as parents to put it out there where it has less control over us too, if that makes sense. Wow. It's really, really good. Yeah. 
I'm so thankful. You just modeled it perfectly. Apparent that if you're like, I don't know what to do, just go rewatch that five times till you're ready to say it yourself. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was, um, I wish you were my father. No, I, I love my dad. But uh, yeah, that was really, really powerful. I, I think those conversation starters are really huge. Um, you know, I it's funny, even as a pastor and a parent, I find it easier sometimes to tell another parent what to say to their kid than I even do my own kid. You know, it's like easy for me to say, here's what you, here's what your kid needs from you. And then for me, sometimes I'm like, what does he need from me? I don't know what to do. What more of a practical question along that line. Um, first of all, just love exactly what you're saying is exactly what we teach, what we try to do with our kids, which is connect first. You know, if we can teach them how to make good decisions, we don't have to always live in fear about the decisions that they're making. Um, and at the same time, there's a balance there, right? Like, what would you say is the right age where you're going to let your kid have social media, let your kid have a phone? Um, you know, our our oldest is in seventh grade. He's got yeah. a gab phone. I don't know if you know what that is. He can yeah, only yeah. call and text. And he, he literally, when we gave it to me, he's like, no, I want a phone. We're like, this is a phone. It's actually <laughs> what this is. He goes, but it doesn't get on the internet. We're like, yeah, that that's a computer, son. Good observation. Are you asking yeah. for a computer or a phone? Um, and so just love kind of your insight there. Like what's your, sure. is there a rule of thumb that you obviously probably maturity, but what would you say to parents when they're trying yeah. to figure out like, Hey, what's, what am I looking for to determine when my, my child gets access to that stuff? Good. Great. Great stuff. Um, I'll start off by saying seven years into this, I've never had a parent tell me that they gave their child a phone or social media too late. So never, I love <laughs> that answer. It's never, it's never happened, but I'll say that there's a lot of complexity in that decision too. There are pressures because their friends have it. There are pressures that you feel as a parent, you know, you want to get in touch with them after practice. Maybe you even have fears about some of the news and things that happen at schools. I get all of that. And I'm very empathetic um, in, in that because, you know, in our large following, I, I hear a lot of those things from the parents who reach out to us. So here are some things that I would say. I think that there are both objective and subjective things that I'm looking for if a parent asks me this question. As a numbers guy, right, a, a former CPA, I love it when I can quantify something. I love it when I can put a number to it. And I think we all do. It's easier to parent to something like that that's concrete. I'll generally say that based on what I know about early childhood development and neurology, that there are very few adolescent brains younger than age 15 who can handle the pressures of social media, just as a general a rule. That's if you're going to press me in a corner on a number, that's what I'll say, because I know enough about wow. early childhood development to say that those lowercase g godlike algorithms that we struggle with as 40 year olds who supposedly have a more fully developed prefrontal cortex and can make yeah, executive yeah. decisions. Right. Think of our struggles and then multiply the dopamine rewards that they struggle yeah, with, which at that age are multiplied with lesser ability to say no to things yeah. and imagine the struggle, right? So those are some of the quantified, more scientific reasons. What but on the 15 that what's, what's the significance of the age 15 there? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great question. Here's why there is some emerging science that is starting to point to transitions as points of vulnerability 
when it comes to the mental well-being of young people online. What do I mean by that? Meaning there was this fascinating study out of the UK that pointed towards the transitions from early adolescence into senior high. So think of that eighth to ninth grade, junior to senior high transition, and then also the transition from graduation into college as two time periods when young people are more vulnerable to the pressures and the anxieties that come from being in places where you compare yourself to others. Wow. Therefore, for me, age 15, whenever possible, gets a young person just past that high school transition where they are orienting their high school experience at the very beginning around face-to-face and interactions with real humans as opposed to finding comfort and finding relationships simply from a screen during that transition. So if I can get them past that transition with as little technology as possible, I consider that a win just based on some of that science. So that's what drives them. What's what's great, praise the Lord, is you know back in 2015, when people started pressing me on a number, I, we, I, I started using 15 at Protect Young Eyes, saying that was the age that I thought, just based on what I knew about working with middle schoolers, yeah, right. I, I wanted to keep junior high as clear as possible from chaos, unnecessary chaos, because you being, you know, youth pastors and, you know, me living in that junior high world, we know one thing with certainty, junior high already has enough drama. It's true. It doesn't need any help. And to me, whatever I could do to preserve the fragility and the fabulousness of junior high meant keeping those sort of technologies out of it. So those are those are some of the drivers, just both from the, the subjective side. You know, I want to look at a kid and I'm going to ask him some questions. I want to say, hey, tell me three amazing things about yourself. And if they don't know enough about their identity and about who they are and about what they love about themselves, then why would I drop that amazing young person in a space that wants to pin all kinds of distorted identities on them from a thousand different influencers who don't care a lick about them? That's the sort of subjective stuff just in terms of the strength of their spirit and their identity that I could sit down and ask a kid before I would say, yeah, you're ready for social media. Maybe that's 14, maybe that's 17. I don't know. But so there's a couple of ways that I know it's a long-winded answer to your question, but it's uh, a complicated, no, Chris, it's a complicated you're a national treasure. That was incredible. And uh, that it was not long-winded. That was perfect. I feel like we had you on this podcast for us in our parenting. <laughs> I'm glad that everybody else gets to listen and hopefully it's helpful for them in their parenting as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. Love Man. it. Love it. Wow. Okay. I, I have a, ne- a next question. I'm just like, you're getting me fired up right now. <laughs> um, what about predators? Like how, how do those conversations go? Like, you know, again, I, this is actually an area I think we have done well is preparing our kids for pornography and, and making them aware of things like in sure. our, in our home, you know, we've done a lot of things. We've, we've had a lot of swing and misses and we've had a couple doubles, <laughs> you know, this is yeah. one of our doubles, I think where we've done well, but I'd love for you just, I'd love to just hear from your angle. You know, how are these conversations going now as you're starting to engage with your kids on the potential of predators on the potential of pornography? Cause even if you don't give your kid a phone till 15, sure. all their friends have phones mm-hmm. and they're, right. Hey, take a look at this, watch this, you know? Yeah. 
what are you encouraging as far as those conversations go? And, and yeah. when does that happen? And and give us a conversation starter there. Yeah, sure. So um, that is happening more frequently now with my 11 and 12 year olds, because when Lauren was 11 or 12, the prevalence of her friends or her being in spaces where technology was or there was technologies I didn't know about or couldn't control was a little bit less. So this is definitely something that I think about now quite a bit. And it comes down to really simple stuff. I mean, I don't know if either of you were athletes, you know, yeah. and I, I was, I was a runner, right. I was all my skinny legs were good for, but it, whatever sport it is, be it basketball, whatever, it all comes down to practice. You create muscle memory of certain things. Like I love the picture, you know, Michael Phelps is sort of the, the, the perfect example of this. Every single race that he did, you watched him go through the same routine where he's there on the stand and he's flapping his arms and doing his thing. Yep. You could replay every one of them and they all look exactly the same. It's that kind of muscle memory that I think is so critical for our young people, whether it's pornography or predators or whatever it is, it's practice, 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 because it's one thing to say to a kid, hey, if you ever see something that makes you uncomfortable or a bad picture, you know, I, here's what you do, right? You, you, you tell me or whatever it is. That's great. But young people don't think abstractly. And those are words. And in the moment when it happens, those are just words. I'm telling you, the enemy will take those words and it'll start yeah. pressing into all kinds of questions. Like, well, do I tell mom now? Like mm -hmm. mom's busy. Do I, is, do, do I interrupt her? Is this, no, I should wait. And then it gets messy. So yeah. after I, I, I say things to my kids, like, you know, Hey, if you see something that makes you uncomfortable, whatever, here's what you do. You actually hand that kid a Chromebook. You hand that kid an iPad and you say, okay, I'm going to put this in your, in your lap. I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to yell from upstairs. Hey, I want you to pretend, or maybe even you text them with your phone. And you go, I'm going to text you something that says I'm a creeper. And I want you to do exactly what I just said. I want you to put it down. I want you to walk up oh, the stairs. Wow. I want you to open my door. And I want you to say, dad, somebody just texted me who I don't know. Mm. And then I want you to do it again. And I want you to say, okay, pretend I'm coming home. And while I was gone, you saw something. I'm literally going to get in the car. I'm going to drive once around the block. I'm going to pull in the driveway. I'm going to open the front door. I want you to tell me exactly what happened. Right? So it's giving them permission through practice to interrupt those sort of rhythms with wow. what you want them to do yep. so that they know exactly what to do in that moment. You don't give the enemy any time or yes. space to cast doubt, to say not right now. And like the phrase, the phrase that I want everybody listening to this to say to their kids as many times as you can goes like this. Never a bad time, never in trouble. Mm. Never a bad time, mm. never in trouble. Say that to them during all the critical times when you know that they're listening, car time, meal time, bedtime, together time, whatever it is, never a bad time, never in trouble. So good, Chris. So. In what age are you starting the, those practice runs? You know, as, I mean, do you, are you starting to do that at kindergarten? You know, where, yes. what's your age that you're doing that at? Yeah, five. We have a, a post um, that we wrote called How to Talk to a Five-Year-Old About Porn. And um, it goes through some of these practice and all kinds of stories from other parents and my own practice with Blake and my boys and just kind of what that what that looks like. So, yes, there are plenty of age appropriate ways. In fact, everybody listening to this, I 
an exercise, you know, here over whenever you're listening to this, maybe some of you'll hear it over break, other times, whatever. Make a list of all the horrible things that you hope never happen to your kiddos. And then I want you to do some research. Start with us if you want, but go to other places. Find ways to have an age-appropriate conversation about That's all right. of them to practice all of them, right? Whatever it is. So if they're three, if they're four, if they have access to a digital device in some way, yeah, make yeah. sure that at their level, they know how to identify and how to respond. And that's just so important. Oh, that's so, so good. good. That's so good. I think it's so important. Some parents, I think I can just imagine because of the conversations we have with parents. Um, I just had some like even just mom conversations at a field trip with moms where I'm like, oh, wow, they cannot believe some of the things that I would tell my kids already. They, ha you know, it was, let's see, right. eight-year-olds and they hadn't had any conversations around, you know, they whispered SEX or anything about it. Yeah. So I'm sure there's some parents listening that are like, oh man, a five-year-old about porn? What? Help parents understand. Because I think what you just did that painted the picture for me that I'm like, oh, I can see it so clearly. This list of all the things I want to prevent and then I think what we do is we just like stay in denial, think we're creating a bubble. There's no way sure. any of that would happen to our kids. But instead of preparing them for these very real digital dangers and all of this stuff yeah. that they're probably sure to face some of it, how do you like, what do you say to coach and inspire a parent to just be like, you sure. need to have these conversations probably younger than you think. And here's some reasons why. The first thing I would offer Caitlin is for any parent who is feeling some of that, I, I want to say it's okay that you're feeling that. Don't don't hear from me that you're a bad parent or doing something wrong mm -hmm. if you haven't. If you're saying, oh, crud, she's eight and I haven't said any of these things, don't believe any lie that says you've done something wrong. That's not true at all. Every child is different. And I may write a blog post which says how to talk to a five-year-old about porn and yet I still will say with confidence that every parent listening to this, you know your child a thousand times better than I do. Mm -hmm. And I have learned one thing, and that is mama's gut's always right. So follow that and use that. And if you think that your five-year-old maybe isn't quite ready, okay. But the principles there around saying certain age-appropriate things, then say what your child is ready for. Mm -hmm. And, and use it more as a guide instead of a rule. Because I think it's one thing that can happen in a conversation like this is it's easy to walk away feeling guilty. And I don't want any parent listening to this yeah. to feel that way. Yeah. I share and say a lot of things and make it sound like it's a whole lot easier than it is. Sure. And that is, that is certainly not my intent. And for a parent who is feeling that way, then you know, pray for that guidance, read some helpful tips, and then look for those windows of opportunity. Because I think when we hear, I have to have a conversation with my kids about porn, we think, oh my gosh, I need to have a PowerPoint and I need to sit down. I need to clap <laughs> when I'm done. And it's got to be fabulous yep. and brilliant and researched. Yep. And I would say none of that is necessary. You're driving to school, you're listening to your favorite song. In fact, you're kind of having a good time. You turn the radio down and they're seat buckled in next to you, captive audience. You just look at your son or daughter and you say, you know, what, Ann? man, I love you so much. I just want you to know there's nothing you could ever tell me that you experience in the real world or the digital world that would ever make that change. Yeah. You can tell me anything and then turn the song up and keep driving. Like parents, that's a porn talk. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, literally, literally it it is. You, you've opened the door and I have a beautiful story of a a mom. If you let me just tell it for two minutes here, who she came up to me after a presentation and said, Chris, you know, I did something and I, I wanted to tell you about it. I want to thank you for it. She was in charge of dinner at night. And you know how kitchens are. Everybody kind of always congregates in the kitchen, right? Kids always end up in the kitchen and hanging out. And she was making something and her 12-year-old daughter was in the kitchen. Back, mom was not even looking at her. And she just sort of said out loud, hey, hon, I just want you to know that if you ever see anything or you ever experiencing anything online that bothers you, I just want you to know that mom, mom's okay with that. You can, you can come tell me. I really just want you to tell me, all right? Yeah, okay. Not even sure that her daughter actually even heard what she said. Two weeks later, she was putting her to bed. And her daughter stopped her before she left. And she said, Mom, you said I could tell you anything, right? Like like a tremble in her voice. Like you were you that was true, right? And proceeded to tell mom something that had happened to her, right? Mom opened the door. Yes. And she just made it made it available that it was open. And and those are some of the rich, simple opportunities that I think we miss. We overcomplicate it. Yeah. Right. Sure We're the do. ones that are more nervous about saying the word pornography than they are to hear it. Right. It's, yeah, it's we true. bring our own baggage into this. So yeah. yeah. Chris, this is so good. I gotta ask one more question. Okay. I can't. Uh, <laughs> Listen. There's parents listening that are like, I love when you were sharing like no guilt. I'm like, yes, please. Parents do not walk away from this feeling guilty. What about the parent listening? Who's like, uh Oh, like my kid already has their own iPad, their login. They go get it in the morning when I'm still in bed. They have their iPhone 14 already and they're on it. I don't really have boundaries. Like, what would you say to that parent of like, okay, you're going to get to go have some conversations with your kids where you might be backstepping, adding some boundaries. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, that's complicated. So I'll share some things and then each of you who is in that situation will have to apply some things to your own situation that I can't possibly know right now. Let me start off by saying anything that you might do is going to suck. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm just I'm just going to be really honest about and and Going back to something I said earlier, I, I want to sit I down. Just, can I just tell you how much I love you? I can't believe it's taken us this long to meet face to face. I just love you. <laughs> just keeping it real, man. Keeping it real. Um, and and I I almost want to say that to a kid. So I'm bad imagining like a you know 14 year old and they've they've got that new iPhone. They've had it for years. He's kind of looking at him and you go, "Hun, I'm sorry." I'm sorry that I didn't do the things I should have to prepare you for this amazing device, which I know you love. And and I gave it to you. I'm guessing there's things about this you don't understand. And I'm sorry, I probably didn't do a good job preparing you for it. Now, I've learned some things about this device that I wish I would have known before. I'm going to tell you right now that I, I'm not going to take it away and smash it. Okay. So, you know, Scout's Honor, I'm 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 not going to do that. But I would like to make some changes. I'm going to own up front that you're not going to like all of them. But I want you to tell me when that is. And I promise to listen. I can't possibly let you have it exactly the way you want it because what kind of parent would I be? I'm doing these things because I love you, but I'll listen 
And where possible, I want to try to figure this out together. So here are some things I would like to do. List them, list them, list them out. And like wherever possible, this is the principle that each parent listening to this is going to have to apply uniquely to their situation. Wherever possible, look for opportunities for co-decision-making, co-ownership. Look for agency wherever possible, because whether you're 14 or 40, you want agency in the things that are impacting you. You want to have a say. And I want to foster that early on and to encourage parents to not make this a me versus you. This is a me with you moment. I'm still the parent, but man, I'm with you because I want you to figure this out. And I want you to tell me some of the things that you like and don't like about my decisions. And I'll be really honest where we can meet partway here. And so it it just, whatever ridiculous authenticity you can bring into that conversation, I think is going to help, but own up front, the apology own up front, the difficulty. And I think that mitigates the whole tension around it a little bit. Um, that's what I would say. Man, that's really good. That would be a hard convo. It would be. Yeah. Hopefully a lot of people are able to have that. Okay. So we have to wrap up. Um, I don't want to wrap up. I know. Uh, but we are going to have to do lots more things together. Uh, I demand it, but I'd love for our audience to just figure out how do they follow you? How do they connect with you? How do they get more of, of the content you guys are creating and your resources, uh, for the person that maybe has never heard of you. If there is such a person out there, tell them how they find you. Yeah. Yeah. So the name protect young eyes is likely going to point you toward many of our digital spaces, whether that's our website, protectyoungeyes.com, following us on social media, primarily Instagram, also on Facebook. And we have a Twitter account, but let's all agree that Twitter kind of brings out the worst of humanity. We're out there, but you know, <laughs> um, those are, you know, those are the keywords. But like, although active there, we have a, a free newsletter. I hate that terminology, but you know we call it the PYE download. We're doing that research. We're going out into the digital news and trying to pull out those nuggets that are most helpful for parents. Um, people can subscribe to that on our website, or you can simply text the word protect, upper or lowercase doesn't matter, to the number 66866, and that will subscribe you right to the PYE download. That's a super easy way to do that. So those are some of the ways that just kind of day to day parents can stay in touch. We have a, uh, we now have a a six person team that travels the country speaking at schools and churches, K through 12, um, all over faith-based, non-faith-based charter, private, whatever. Um, We've, we've been in all of them and we love to bring that program. Um, And then there's a curriculum that schools, we kind of have a whole suite of tools from the school side to bring that in, whether it's for parents, professional development, I do leadership sessions, all day leadership retreats for teachers and staff. So we want to help from both sides. We talk about building a bridge of trust between parents and kids, but we also look for opportunities to build that bridge between school and home because so many schools deal with 17 hour problems every morning at 8 a.m. Those are the things that have been brewing from 3 p.m. until 8 a.m. every day. Yep. And if we can create bridges between terminology and mindsets and ways of thinking between what's happening during the seven 
and the 17, then homes and schools are in a better spot. So those are the sort of programs and frameworks that we bring that anybody could come to our website and kind of find the path to those things. Chris, and just just to make sure we've got it right, that text would be, you're texting the word protect to 66866. Is that correct? You got it. Great. We're going to put it in the show notes so that people can see that. Man, thank you. Thank Uh, you for your time, Chris. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. And for your time to carve some time out with us. We are honored, challenged, and challenged in some areas and encouraged in others because I'm not doing everything wrong, just a couple of things, <laughs> but uh, man, I just, yeah, I could just gush about how, how much I love this, this podcast. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. And parents feel free to listen to this multiple times and take notes. Let, well, I'm going to be send listening it to your to spouse. It, say, let's, we need to listen to this together. It might even be a date night conversation of let's listen to this awesome. on the drive to and from a date. Cause we need to make some changes in our home. I don't know that that I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> like, advice. That's not romantic. I don't think you want to hear about what you should be doing different after a date in <laughs> okay, your parenting. Okay. That, that, that wouldn't be my chosen time. <laughs> Uh, but we'll let you parents figure that out. Goodness. That's right. That's probably true. That's the mom and me. All right. Have a good one, y'all. We'll see you next time. Let's talk about it. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to learn more and check out all of our awesome content, be sure to head to our website at moralrevolution.com and our socials, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. But before you leave, don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all of the things. We want you guys to come back and join us. We enjoyed having you. See you next time.